All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you from the Bureau of Queens. It is the third day of January, 2023, and of course, I want to take this opportunity to wish all of you a peaceful, prosperous, and happy new year. I always like to remind you that I am the editor of a newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, uh, which you can subscribe to by going to miningstocks.com. Miningstocks.com. I also like to encourage you to sign up for Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? His focus is on the precious metals as well, uh, but he also has developed an expertise in the biotech sector, and he's done very well over the years in that sector. He'll be with me in just a few minutes to uh, tell you what he's thinking about in the markets uh, heading as we start this new year. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening to this show. And uh, for the last 13 years and nine months, we do plan to begin providing this show by way of a podcast every Tuesday at three o'clock New York time, starting on Tuesday, January 24th. If you are not already on our mailing list, our email list, be sure to do uh, to sign up for that. Uh, just go to questions for Taylor. Uh, at gmail.com, questions, the number for Taylor at gmail.com, and just request to be put on our mailing list. We do want to thank our sponsors uh, for uh, our remaining, for, uh, we do want to thank our sponsors for this week. Uh, our sponsors for this week are El Oro Resources and Timberline Resources. I've titled today's show, Inflation, Recession, and Declining U.S. Hegemony. Alistair McLeod, Michael Oliver, and Chen Lin return. Last week, Austrian economist Daniel Lycal like Ayel, uh, assured listeners that the dollar will remain as the world's reserve currency for at least another five to 10 years. As expected, Alistair McLeod, who will join me in the second half of today's show, may disagree. I certainly expect he will, but we'll find out for sure. Uh, in his December 22nd article, Alistair wrote, and I quote, 2023 will see the consequences of Saudi Arabia ending the petrodollar. Energy exporters are feeling their way toward a new commercial arrangement in a bid to replace yesterday's dollar. There's talk of a new Asian trade settlement currency, but we can expect oil exports exports to be offset by inward investment, particularly between Saudi Arabia, the GCC, and China. The most obvious surplus emerging in 2023 is of internationally held dollars, whose use value is set to drop away, leaving it as an empty shell. It amounts to a perfect storm for the dollar and all those who sail with it. Those of us who live long enough to look back on these years are likely to find them to have been pivotal for both currencies and global alliances. 
they will likely mark the end of Western supremacy and the emergency of a new Asian economic domination, end of quote. Well, if Alistair is right, it certainly doesn't sound like he thinks the dollar will remain uh, and retain its, uh, its hegemony for the next five to ten years. And so I do, again, look forward to what he has to say uh, regarding Daniel Lacaille's views on the dollar, which he expressed last week. Uh, Michael Oliver will be with me after the first commercial break to share his latest thoughts on gold and silver and the financial markets as we enter 2023. But right now, I'm really happy to tell you that Chen Lin is with me once again uh, to tell you all what he's thinking as we enter this new year. Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you, Jake. Glad to be here. Really good to have you. Uh, your voice, let's just start out with um, you know what this show is mostly about, gold and silver. What are your thoughts heading into 2023? Yeah, it's very exciting uh, because uh, on the end of last year, December, end of December, December 30th, I think the last trading day, 31st, uh, so the gold is above 1800 Okay, if you look at long-term chart, gold is breaking the downtrend. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of investor and, and underinvested. Okay, even the market is down. There's massive amount of money on the sideline. Okay, on mm-hmm. the repo, Fed repo is over two trillion. Think about how much cash wow. on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, country like China, you mentioned, they were so afraid of uh, what happened to Russia. They are selling U.S. treasure. We all know that, and they are buying mm-hmm. gold. Right? It's very mm-hmm. obvious. So uh, more and more conflict, more Cold War, gold is more becoming the international currency of choice. I mean, mm-hmm. so I see this year will be an exciting year for gold. I mean, I'm more excited about silver. Go to my website, chenpix.com. I have a latest update on the silver situation. Mm, good. I'm very excited about uh, gold and silver, especially on silver. So I built a very uh, nice uh, portfolio for gold and silver. <laughs> Actually, I'm buying on all the dip. Any dip can be bought, right? So, mm-hmm. and I see it uh, going higher. Yeah, and you like the? Uh, I guess you like some of the uh, some of the exploration companies as well. Yeah, I have an exploration. I have a producer. I have a pretty consistent. I mean, one thing when you mentioned that a lot, I'm I buying recently is Novo Resource, right? It's oh yeah, loser. Mm-hmm. It was kicked out of GDXJ at the end of December, mm-hmm. end of the tax load selling season, and it's it's down to like a 60 million. Today actually rebounded, but it's down to like a 60 million Canadian. It's that they they have a meal worth more than that, okay? And then they have cash. Uh, people forgot they have a mine, okay? They're just asking for permit to mine the fresh rock, right? Once mm-hmm. they got that, they can have a mine going. So, I mean, when people go negative, they go extremely negative. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to buy it. I bought it at you know, like 20 plus cents, and today it's trading at 30. But it still has a long way to go. Imagine it was $7 a few years back, right? Yeah. So I also have a listing. They already have a deal with a listing producer to mine, a, to explore listing on their project. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of upside, other battery metals. Oh, these are free. So I think it's a, it's getting real cheap. Uh, at the end of last year, I look forward for for you know for swing. That's just one of many exploration companies um, we mentioned. I know some. I'm very I'm like like so much about Talarin. First Talarin, we mentioned mm-hmm. this going. It's on the swing. Talarin's price has been spiking higher lately. 
uh, thanks to you know the United States ban of Chinese solar panel because United States first solar they all use Tolarin. So that's another angle uh, to to you know to go with the solar solar boom. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so I'm I'm very excited about uh, 2023. Mm-hmm. Tellarium, uh, what is the vehicle? Uh, is there is there a, an exploration company that you're playing that with, or how do you playing yeah, that? Yeah, exploration company. I put in my newsletter. Also, on my recent interview with Street Wide, it's for first Tellarium. It's the only Tellarium uh, pure play out there. So the CEO just put a few hundred thousand of his own money in in the company, mm-hmm. which is you know give you the confidence. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, he believe in that, or we believe in that as well. So that's another thing we want. We I want to look in the new year, and then finally, it's biotech, right? So at, at the end of the last year, the Amherst AMRS announced the financing. That's really destroyed my holiday. We 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 were we in <laughs> holiday. We talk about the situation. It's just unbelievable. The CEO talking about one thing that absolutely will not raise money, and then a few weeks later, they, he rose. He raised money. Unbelievable! And the bottom of the market, I, I, as I said in my letter, I sold half of it. I, I'm just, you know, if they don't fire the CEO, I, I will be out. Okay, so I'm sorry. I mean, a lot of biotech it works out. Some are not working out. I have five tigers, five biotechs, right? I mean, I have two uh, Grand Slam home round, which means I have four or five baggers. Okay, just if you put money in there, it will cover all the losses. That's mm-hmm. magical and awesome. But I also have a loser. I have Triceda. I have a lot loser. I have Amherst as loser. I mean, right now it looks like a loser. And another one, UPH doing great today. It's up 40% in the new year. So, which is good. I mean, I hit three out of five. I'm okay. in a very tough year. Um, I'm, I'm okay. It's not what I, you know, it's good I, I want, okay? Um, but it's, it's life. You, you cannot hit every ball as a home run, right? So, uh, we mm-hmm. if I'll take, you take a big risk. But there's, you 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 go for those big swings. You go for the grand yeah. slam, but they, but they also misses. So uh, I'm yeah. not pleased with my performance, but I'm happy. You know, at least I, yeah. I hit more than fifty percent. So um, right. so far so good. Right. Well, I wonder, Chen. You know, in a rising interest rate environment, uh, if it might not be tough uh, for the biotechs, you know, the the early stage developers uh, going into 2023. What do you think? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's a very tough for the early stage developer. That's why I'm going to the late stage. I'm going to, I call it little farmer. Right now, there's a huge divergence. Pharmaceutical company, big farmer doing great. Biotech did, did terrible, right? But I'm doing those companies that's getting approved or almost getting approved. So they become a little farmer. So they have a biotech valuation. But they should get to a big farmer valuation because big farmer they have a trillions of dollar ready ready to buy half a trillion I told half trillion to a trillion dollar because they, that's how they made from the COVID they're ready yeah. to buy the pipeline so you you go this that's why I hit a huge home run lately in Magical right it's a five folded and uh-huh. will become a ten bagger last year was one of the worst year on my newsletter usually every year I have a ten bagger or more than one but last year I have none. But I have mm-hmm. a few four or five baggers, but I think mm-hmm. Magical probably will become a ten bagger when 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 the dust settles. So we'll see. So. All right. Well, we'll be, certainly that'd be interesting to watch and see the names of these uh, little pharma companies that you come up with. With just another minute or two left, Chen, uh, you you know when I first met up with you, you were pretty big in the energy sector. Do you have any comments on energy as we start this new year? Yes, absolutely. I'm still very 
bullish on energy. I think the Ukraine war probably will last longer than people thought because nobody can back down, and then Americans will keep feeding money to Ukraine. Let the war drag on because it's to the interest of the United States. And with that, I see the oil price will stay high, and then there's the opportunities. And I have this uh, fracking play, right? Brand new fracking play is coming. The results will come in first quarter. So uh, I, that's also on my recent interview with the Streetwise. So I have uh, quite a few companies, uh, also the Canacor, another one, Columbia Natural Gas, uh, pay 10% dividend. And then buying back shares, and they have a big catalyst coming in first half, big exploration. Well, but nobody really believed in those, so it gave them zero chance of success. So I, I think I have a more than more than zero zero percent chance of success. So that's why I invest in those. All right. Well, folks, uh, you know Chen has all these interesting ideas. He doesn't invest with the crowd. He usually finds things that are out of whack. Uh, in it, it are out of favor, I should say, with the mo- with the mainstream, and you know, just name Novo Resources. I mean, probably the most hated stock uh, that I've that, that I've been following over the years right now. Uh, but there's still value there, and and really smart investors go out and buy things when nobody else wants them if there's value there. And Chen has made a living doing that and done very successful uh, in not only in in biotechs and gold and silver, but other areas as well. And uh, energy and and things you wouldn't even think of so you can you know you can learn about these um about these ideas by subscribing to chen's letter uh what is chen buying what is chen selling go to chenpicks.com to do that chenpicks p-i-c-k-s.com all right thanks chen so much for being with us and we'll look forward to talk to you again sometime uh in the new year thank you okay all right folks well we do have to go to break now don't go away because michael oliver is going to be here we'll get his take on what he expects for 2023. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. 
you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times, Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really glad to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me once again. And even more importantly, I want to tell you uh, that we are anticipating Michael will continue to be a guest uh, from time to time every other week or so. Uh, on And when we go to the new podcast format on January 24th. Welcome, Michael, and thank you so much for being with us again. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's good to be back, and it's also good to tell people the place to go to really take full advantage of Michael Oliver's expertise and his uh, wonderful technical analysis is OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Well, Michael, as 2023 gets underway, I'd like to get your current assessment of today's global economy and financial markets and where you think they are headed this year. Well, uh, a lot lower. Uh, the paper assets, the bubble, uh, the dozen-year bubble, uh, sevenfold in the S and P, sixteenfold upside in the Nasdaq. Mm-hmm. Mini bonds went up big. Uh, T bonds went up big. High yield corporate debt went up. Now they're all going down big together. Meaning, mm-hmm. in the paper asset world, which was so bloated for a dozen years by central yeah. bank policy, um, mm-hmm. there, there's no safe haven there. You know, it used mm-hmm. to be you could. It was the old. Uh, Dogma, you know, sixty forty stocks, bonds, you know, right. be balanced. Yeah, well, the forty percent went down more than the sixty percent. <laughs> the, the bonds went down enormously. Yeah, like I understand that. I don't. I can't. I don't know that it's true, but I think it is probably that. In you have to go back to the like eighteen hundreds to find any kind of time where bonds and stocks went down so seriously together. Mm-hmm. We've had big bears in stocks. But some balance and bonds, but this time everybody got got kicked, no matter mm-hmm. which side of that paper equation you were on. And so there's only one asset category that sort of you know held, and that was commodities. Uh, gold was unchanged on the year. Silver up three or four percent on the year. Bloomberg Commodity Index is up thirteen uh, percent on the year. So all the things the Fed says they're fighting didn't get clobbered. Instead, the yeah. paper assets got clobbered. Well, that's because they got inflated so badly. For a dozen years, so the yeah. Fed is fighting inflation, all right. <laughs> but then yeah. the one they created. Uh, the, the other issue I'd, I'd like to sort of step toe into is uh, the political social disorder realm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's focused on markets, companies' earnings, uh, whether uh, retail sales are dropping, unemployment numbers. Nobody's talking about political disorder and social disorder. Um, and I think it's coming. And I, I'm not the only guy to say this. Uh, Nouriel Rubini, who is hardly on the spectrum where I am, I'm libertarian, and he's, well, I think, been on the Democrat side for years. But he thinks, we're, you know, it's uh, basically the end of the world situation we're facing globally uh, because of the central banks. And it, it's it's going to be not just down, but down big. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also reflect itself in social disorder. Um, he hasn't gotten specific, but he's he's hinted at that. Yeah. Uh, and there's some other major economists out there who also see this as having wave effects that are beyond just the economic. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking right now at the American political situation, uh, the Republicans barely won the House. Okay, they they thought they were going to have a big wave. They didn't. 
They barely won it. Now they can't even get the speaker elected. No. Nope. Um, so the Trump is going to run in some manner in the 2024. He's not going to retire in history and look back at his portrait on the wall. He, you know, he has a different view of himself. And so if he thinks that the GOP, which is a, definitely a fragmented party now, is going to nominate him and he'll run under that banner, okay. But if he perceives that that's not going to happen, I almost guarantee he's going to run in a third party and he'll create yeah. one. Uh, and, you know, the last time we had a, a, a third party candidate run was the Texan, what was that back in the... Ross Perot. Bu- yeah, a, a Bush versus... Uh, Clinton, Clinton. And, and this guy, this guy ran, and and he got like fifteen percent of the vote, uh, yeah, fifteen percent right. or so. It's significant. Didn't even have a party. Uh, yeah. Trump will have his hardcore with him, and if he takes that away from the GOP, let's They're call toast. his hardcore twenty twenty five percent of the GOP. Maybe mm-hmm. it's more than that. But mm-hmm. if he took that away into a third party, mm-hmm. that would destroy the GOP. They Absolutely, win anything. You know, they wouldn't win congressional seats. They certainly wouldn't win the presidency. Uh, and now, on the other hand, let's say he did get the GOP nomination. Many in the GOP would not support him. Right. Because they've, they've divorced themselves from him. So that segment of the party would break off, in which case he would highly unlikely win the election if he ran as, as the GOP candidate. Mm-hmm. Because the party's fragmented. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, it means the people who are behind him would suddenly not have any alternative, mm-hmm. except probably another Democrat gets elected. Mm-hmm. And so what yeah. would they do? Uh, I'm going to throw a few words out, and I don't know that they'll happen, but words like secession will come up, mm-hmm. uh, Florida, Texas, and so forth. I mean, you could have a real political fragmentation that would reflect itself not in the halls of Congress, but in, in literally in the streets. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another consequence, especially if people start getting hurt financially, where yeah. the desperation is a, is a tone. Uh, and then suddenly you have a political outcome that isn't favorable to their, their views. Mm-hmm. Um, this could get very interesting in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you have to wait to 2024 to find out the, what's going to happen here. But that's a mm-hmm. variable that nobody's talking about. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 52 no, pickup type situation. So yeah. that I, I don't know what you know what effect that has, except more disorder, mm-hmm. uh, in, in in various ways. Anyway, mm-hmm. so MSA favors what gold and silver this year. We think last mm-hmm. year proved the point. Uh, the point being that okay, the Fed says they're going to beat inflation. Well, what didn't go down? Commodities didn't yeah. go down, even though they had a pullback this year. They still were up. Gold mm-hmm. ended up unchanged and silver up 3%. While the mm-hmm. S&P was down 20, NASDAQ down 30, T-bonds down 30, 35%. Yeah, you know, something's wrong with their notions. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we've all known that anyway. Uh, right. Anyway, it's all going to unfold. And I think 2023 is likely to be much of it will show itself then. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, dragged out for five years, you know. Right. Well, we've had this enormous misallocation of resources thanks to manipulation of the monetary system, driving Mm -hmm. interest rates below anything resembling free market, uh, you know, market Mm -hmm. determined rates. And what you've done is misallocated. So, you know, the Austrian idea of of uh, malinvestment. I mean, just you just I mean, 
I was just asking Chan, our, our my guest right before you, and you know he's been big on the biotechs, and I said, Chan, don't you think that this is going to be a, a problem, problematic environment for the biotechs, the you know the ones that aren't producing any cash flows or any earnings yet? And he said, yes, I, he agrees with that, and he's going to what he calls the little biotechs this year, the ones that have cash flow <laughs> and earnings, yeah. because you know. Um, I mean, he's big on gold and silver. That's his favorite. But he also plays some of these other markets. And he's, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, I think there's another thing I would offer to you because we're going to be talking to Alistair McLeod after you know in a couple of minutes from now. But his view is another thing we're not hearing anything about is uh, the deleterious effects of the Ukrainian war on the United States and its economy and its interest. You know what's going on here because. Uh, his view is that it's actually strengthening uh, and pulling the United States and its allies apart. Essentially, it's it's uh, Russia's not doing badly uh, on its mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. net net exports. It's you know it's it's selling lots of oil. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, the Saudi Arabia and those countries that are producing the oil are warming up now to uh, to China. At the same time, uh, they're not too interested in the United States because we're saying we're going green and we don't want your oil anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Guess who does want it? China, India, those countries that have the vast majority of the world's population. So Alastair is also, I think he would agree with all the things you just said. Uh, he also would throw that one in there as a threat to the United States dollar. Now, we have a lot of people that are, um, you know, this is a debate on this show, <clears throat> the dollar milkshake theory, the people that, that hold that the system as it is now will continue to exist. And whenever you have uh, strains in the system. It ha- makes the dollar stronger vis-a-vis its uh, trading partners or, let's say, mm-hmm. it, its NATO partners. And I guess as long as it lasts, that seems to be true. Interest rates go up. It hurts everybody else more than it. In, in fact, it brings dollars back to the United States. But at some t- point, Alistair argues that the rest of the world has got enough dollars. They're not. They're swimming in dollars. They got more than they want. And, you know, so I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But I don't know. You have any thoughts on that on that idea? Well, the other thing is the dollar looks like it's broken to me. However, I have a caveat uh, here. Uh, you could see the dollar rally back up into the high 106s uh-huh. in this quarter. Right now, we're, we got up the upper 104s today. So we're talking a 2% more rally. Okay, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh-huh. would impress a lot of people. Uh, there are some technical reasons for that. It's not not bullish. It's just that uh, there's some housekeeping that I think needs to be done in terms of generating uh-huh. that rally. Uh, but don't be deluded by that rally. I think ultimately the dollar is going to fail. And uh-huh. when you break everything, basically, you've broken the bond market to the point where our Secretary of Treasury says she's fearful of the illiquidity. Yeah, so that's the worst word you can use in any market. It's not just that it's going down or going up too much or too down too much or too fast. It's illiquid. This is the mortgage-backed security term. Okay. Yeah. So to apply it to the U.S. government debt market, and it's, it's validly applied. And she she wasn't mistaken when she said that. Is is a statement of uh, you know good grief. You know. Yeah, that that's the, revolutionary. The I mean, yeah. No, I mean that's always been nothing, that's always been. That's that's always been the argument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the assumption that this this dollar situation is going to remain despite the fragmentation of everything else. Right. Right. uh, right. I'll take that bet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Everything is going to get broken that you think is normal, especially things that are dictated to and governed by governments. In other Mm -hmm. words, not by market forces. Uh, So if you think that the government edifices will stand, no, they won't. 
mm-hmm. fragmentation is going to occur. It's all part of this whole process. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's hard. It's be- uh, I mean, what, what we're talking about are major changes. It's very difficult for most people to get their heads around because, you know, I'm 75 years old. I've lived in a system that's been the same for all my life. I can't see, other than reading the history books, I can't per- foresee that. So it's very difficult for people to see anything so dramatic changing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, this is one of those times, though, where uh, it's, you know, multi-generational event, um, not just something that happens every 20 years. This is not a normal stock market decline. They know we, you know, we see these little boom-bust cycles all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. This is different. Uh, Michael, this, I know. This what went. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I know that you provide some, some specific numbers for your, for your, for your subscribers, but if you maybe guess, just give our listeners an idea of what you expect in the equity markets. I don't think you believe we're at, we've bottomed out yet, have, do you? Oh no, that, that word keeps coming up. You watch CNBC or Fox Business News. The, the chatter word is bottom, or is it bottoming? Even to mm-hmm. ask the question implies mm-hmm. that there's a possibility. Okay, right. That word keeps getting tossed around, even if there's some skepticism about it. Uh, when that word ceases to get <laughs> tossed around, then yeah. maybe we're near something. We suspect the S&P could go this year. Now, I'm not saying this is a bottom, but the next support we see of any significance is 2,700. Wow. Well, that's that's 1,000 plus point, 1,100 points below where we are right now. That's huge. NASDAQ 100, which is trading above 10,000, uh, we see it down in, in the 7,000s, mm-hmm. mid-7,000s. Mm-hmm. So there's another huge percent decline before we see ne- what we consider to be next support. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. suspect we'll see that this year. Uh, mm-hmm. That will have huge personal impact on people, not just their portfolios, but now we're talking, you know, unemployment will start to shift, which is a lagged indicator anyway, um, and so forth. And so the reality will begin to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, the central banks, I, I there's other people aside from MSA that are saying we'll we'll flip we'll flip back to what they normally do, which is print print print. They have no yeah. choice. Yeah. Well, that's why we own gold and silver, no doubt about it. Um, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, I'm not happy about what I hear, but I think we do need to face reality and uh, as best we can prepare for it. So I want to thank you very much for spending time with us. Once again, we do look for that capitulation, I guess. And, I, you know, you and I are old enough to remember those events when they've happened in the, before when nobody wants to even think about buying stocks again. Mm-hmm. Never, never, mm-hmm. never. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know that's the bottom. So, yeah. And then well, you can find some, then, then maybe <laughs> if, if we still we remain intact, we can find some good, some good, um, you know, some good yeah. opportunities. But we, we shall see. Thank you so much, Michael. All the best and Thank happy you, new year to you and to your family. All right, folks, well, we do have to go to break now, but Alistair McLeod will join me right after we come back and talk about uh, the days of dollar hegemony. And Alistair is not so sure that we have another five or ten years left uh, with the dollar remaining the reserve currency. So we'll hear his arguments uh, counter to what we've been hearing from some of our other guests. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Alistair McLeod. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Alistair McLeod with me once again. And as always, when we have Alistair on the show, we like to remind you that uh, he provides an exceptionally insightful market commentary every Thursday and that you can avail yourself to that. It's free of charge. All you have to do is go to goldmoney.com. It's the research page at goldmoney.com, and you'll be sure to see Alistair's uh, weekly commentaries there. It's one of those things that I feel I can't do without uh, as I try to nav- navigate my own portfolio uh, and those of my subscribers uh, through these uh, difficult times. Uh, last week, we had Daniel uh, Lacaye on. He's a, Span- a Spanish-based fund manager. He and Keith Weiner have both, um, well, they're both recent guests on this show, and they made good arguments for a strong dollar as long as the Federal Reserve leads the way in raising interest rates and Given that they foresee no major geopolitical changes, which they never seem to address or think very much about, um, well, they, they seem to think that we're going to continue on with the system as we've had it. Well, I don't think that that's really uh, the idea that Alistair has, which is I'm really happy to have him on to sort of examine this question about dollar hegemony and how long can it last. So welcome, Alistair, and thank you so much for joining us again. It's my pleasure to be with you, Jay. Thank you, and a happy new year to you and yours as we start this new year. Uh, let's hope and pray for some peace. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't look too peaceful. I saw just uh, the opening uh, hours in this new year that um, the Ukraine um, did something to maybe kill 50 or 60 Russians. Uh, it doesn't sound very peaceful to me, but uh, we we can hope, I suppose. Um, I, you're, as I mentioned before we went on the air, I was looking at your article initially when I invited you on for the day, uh, today's show, Inflation, Recession, and Declining U.S. Hegemony. And, but that sort of really works well with your December 29th article as well that, title, that was titled Gold in 2023. Of course, those listening to this show are interested in what is gold going to do in 2023. Uh, so I'd like to focus more maybe on that topic. Uh, 
one thing I've noticed about the dollar bulls is that their models assume a static world in which the existing dollar-centric global financial system will always exist, or at least as far as the eye can see. Uh, and as uh, last week we had Daniel uh, Lacaye, uh, he's an Austrian uh, school thinker. He's a professor of economics in Spain, and he is also a fund manager. So a really good guy, an interesting fellow. Uh, but he, you know, he he sees this sort of dollar milkshake theory uh, and believes that this is the way the world's going to continue to exist. And it seems to me that you know those of us people my age, I'm 75 and I can never, I've never known a time when the dollar wasn't king. I guess it was not as much of a king before 1971, but it was always, you know, the U.S. emerging from World War II as a a primary survivor and it's always been that way. So why should it change, I guess? Well, that's what I want to ask you about. Uh, What are your thoughts about the possibilities of the U.S. dollar remaining the world's reserve currency for another five or 10 years? Well, Jay, I think the first thing I would say is that, um, you know, it's all very well the dollar being king, but actually mm-hmm. since 1971, it's lost 98% of its purchasing power wow. measuring legal money, which is gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, some king, I would say. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, uh, we can uh, maybe sort of think of it as um, being a very, very weak um, entity. And in in general, I mean, I would agree that um, the idea that dollar hegemony is just going to break and, you know, something is going to take over from it sort of tomorrow. I mean, that, um, I agree, is a very, very difficult concept. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, under normal circumstances, I would agree with um, the guests that you said mm-hmm. that you had um, uh, at another time who thought that, um, you know, the dollar would continue to be uh, the king. Um, But there are a number of factors which uh, suggest that uh, 2023 is going to be the year where um, that may no longer be the case. Um, It seems to be completely unnoticed in the West what the partnership between Russia and China is actually setting out to do. It has set up a number of organizations. You've got the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. You have got the East Asian European Union. And you have got BRICS. Now, the interesting Mm. thing is that uh, because we have, I suppose it's partly because we have said to um, uh, the Gulf Cooperation Council, or we've implied to them that we don't want their stuff anymore, you know, keep supplying us for another 20 years, then we're going to cut you off. You know, this is not (laughs) conducive to keeping uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and the rest of them on side in the West. And for some time, it has been apparent to me that they have been uh, looking ahead to where their future markets are. And undoubtedly, that is Greater Asia. And it is Greater Asia that uh, Russia and China, um, uh, if you like, are contr- they control. They, they, they are a real challenge to the dollar hegemony. Now, what has happened in December should be noted by everyone who thinks that the dollar is king. The petrodollar is dead and the petro yuan is rising. Now, this is a very, very important development, and it comes from uh, the visit of President Xi to Saudi Arabia in December, um, where various agreements were were, were, um, signed, and uh, it was also agreed, and this wasn't part of the official communique, but it was um, 
spoken of in a separate um, uh, presentation by President Xi to the Gulf Cooperation Council, and that is that um, the, uh, uh, if you like, the Middle Eastern oil exporters, um, including Saudi Arabia, uh, will be paid in yuan. And not only that, but they have access to the international um, uh, Shanghai Gold Exchange contracts, and they have access also to the uh, to, to the international oil uh, contracts, uh, which allow them to swap um, or to hedge, if you like, uh, their yuan, which they get paid for in, in oil. Now, this is this is a major, major development. Um, and you can see that um, the situation uh, is ripe for an attack on the dollar. Now let's go back to, uh, um, I think it was June last year, when you had the um, International St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg Forum, uh, where Putin stood up and basically said that, uh, you know, you guys here, and there were 81 governments represented at that uh, forum, mm -hmm. incident, and 14,000 people, and so on. Um, he effectively said, you must be mad having uh, Western currencies, which are losing value at the rate of 8%. That was roughly what was going on at that time. I mean, it's higher It's higher for the euro and uh, about that for the dollar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, you hold these currencies and America can cut you off um, like that and make it yep. valueless. Mm -hmm. And some of you people are storing gold in Western financial centers mm -hmm. where it can be confiscated. Mm -hmm. This is madness. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that what he's done is he has prepared the majority of the world's population by nations to basically shift over from dollars to rubles and yuan. So the groundwork is laid and it's not going to take much to tip these people out of dollars into these currencies. Now, let me just give you um, some statistics. At the height of it, I think there was roughly $34 trillion of cash and financial assets in America, in dollars, held, owned by foreign entities, and including governments, incidentally. Now, uh, that has now fallen to just over $30 trillion. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that fall is obviously because of uh, portfolio losses. I mean, valuation changes yep. have been negative for everybody, including foreigners. But you can see which way this is going. We're going to get higher interest rates because Putin, I think, is going to squeeze up energy prices yet again. We're going to have another energy crisis. I mean, all the analysts I talk to about oil say that, you know, in the medium to long term, we have got a supply problem. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the demand for oil is pretty inflexible. It continues at around about 100 million barrels a day. So mm -hmm. if you have a supply problem, then you're going to have a price problem. And uh, guess when that's going to happen? I mean, what Putin is doing on the ground in the Ukraine is he's not invading it. I mean, his his army is useless. I mean, let's be blunt about it. Mm -hmm. They're not fit for purpose. And he should damn well know it. I mean, he's already found that out once. And history has also <laughs> should have been his guide on this. But what he's done is he's changed his tactics and he is basically cutting off all the uh, energy infrastructure in the Ukraine to make it uninhabitable. Mm -hmm. So when the winter rarely comes, and so far we've got a relatively warm period, um, but I think later on this month and also in February, 
I can tell you, in Ukraine, it will freeze very, very hard. And that is when he will start pushing up energy prices. It will be a question, I think, not of the European Union turning around saying, we're not going to buy your oil or we're not going to insure it or whatever. They're not going to get it. And mm -hmm. there is a global supply shortage. Remember that Russia is the largest exporter of energy in the world. Saudi Arabia is the second largest. Mm -hmm. You have got Iran in there as well. Basically, OPEC plus is now controlled by Putin. Not only that, but I'm hearing on the grapevine that if there is any threat to this hegemony over oil and gas, then they will close the Straits of Hormuz. Oh, to, to the oil prices. So who actually controls the dollar? It's not the Fed. It's not the US Treasury. It's Putin. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's the guy who controls it. And he's the guy who can tip uh, around about 30 trillion worth of holdings into panic sell mode. So the idea that uh, the dollar is king and continuing to be king, that is very much yesterday's story, I think. Mm -hmm. In a few months' time, before this winter is over, we are likely to see that hegemony challenged. And I think mm -hmm. the challenge will be brutal. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, again, what you were just saying, Putin uh, explained the reasons why to these 81 countries, I guess, 81 governments, why it's foolish to own dollars and why they should switch over to, uh, I guess, to the yuan dollar. I mean, the yuan, uh, the petro yuan. Yeah, uh, I guess those reasons make a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, to me, that's key kind of why would and, and again, it's the majority of the world's population in those 81 countries, those 81 governments, I believe. Right. Can, can I put some numbers on that? Yes, um, please. The, West, the Western Alliance is one point two billion people. Mm -hmm. um, you've got around about three point eight billion people in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the East Asian European Union and BRICS. And that is growing. You've got around about three billion people who are neutral. I'm talking about the, their governments are neutral. Mm -hmm. um, we saw this at the recent G20 um, uh, in Indonesia. Indonesia was not going to push through um, anti-Russian, uh, um, um, you know, sort of, if you like, uh -huh. um, what's the word, <laughs> you know, votes and so on and so forth. Right, no, right. they were sitting on the fence. I mean, they know where their bread is buttered, and it's not in the Western Alliance anymore. So you can see that the Western Alliance is skating on very, very thin ice. The idea that the dollar rules the world, well, it does in name only. And this is now rapidly changing. And I would like to explore an idea that I think I picked up from your last article. Um, it, it, with regard to Triffin's dilemma, um, maybe just explain to people what Triffin's dilemma is, but if you own the world's reserve currency, as I understand it, you have to find a way to get enormous amounts of it floating around the, the globe. You have to have liquidity. It has to be, you know, it has to be a deep market, right? And we've done that. The United States has done that through debt. I mean, we just, you know, basically, if if we, you know, we've 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 gone into debt and we've printed money and we've sloshed it around the globe. We've given money to other countries. Uh, we've made sure we run trade deficits year after year. Uh, gutting out the really wealth-creating industries in America that made the middle class so vibrant up until 1971 or so. Now, you sort of talked about if we get a petro yuan as a world's reserve currency, 
that will be based on a structure that's somewhat different, right? It, it's not based, yeah. I mean, China has had these enormous trade surpluses for so many years. They have all of this and they've right. been using those, trade, turning those trade surpluses, they've been exchanging dollars for gold, a massive amounts of it. And yes. so is one of the arguments that, that Putin has is, look, you've got a currency that lost 98% of its value since uh, 71, I think you said. So yeah. we can provide a currency that's that's more durable, now whether they will or not, but is that what he's telling people? Well, yes, in effect he is. And, and uh, another small point uh, about Saudi Arabia, I don't think Saudi Arabia would have um, embraced the concept of a petro yuan uh -huh. Unless they were confident that the purchasing power of the yuan was going to be at least as good as the dollar which they were abandoning. Uh -huh. Important point. Uh -huh. Now, um, I think that um, when, when you look at Triffin, basically what Triffin said was that in order for a country to um, uh, provide a reserve currency, a global reserve currency, uh, it had to run its economy in such a way which was effectively irresponsible. It had uh -huh. to run budget and trade deficits in order that the supply of their currency um, uh, floods global markets. And that indeed is what um, uh, America has been doing with the dollar. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the situation with the yuan is going to be extremely difficult because they don't have a trade deficit. They can't flood it that way. All they can do is uh, they can ensure that there is an expansion of bank credit. And remember, they control the major banks in China. Mm -hmm. They will expand bank credit without trade deficits or whatever uh, and uh, use that, if you like, uh, specifically to reinvest in the nations which supply them with oil. And this was the agreement that they've come up with with uh, Saudi Arabia in particular. Uh, you know, for example, I think they were talking about something like, um, you know, 58 billion of investment going in uh, and uh, you've got uh, 60 something billion of um, oil going out. So you can see that uh, Saudi Arabia's balance of trade is actually a marginal figure rather mm -hmm. than a huge, huge, great figure. But so the I think that um, this is going to be interesting because the price effect of um, a Chinese economy, which is uh, in trade surplus, and um, you know, if there is a budget deficit, it will be very minimal mm -hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, what they might find is that it's actually quite difficult to stop the purchasing power of the yuan oh. rising in such a way that it starts, um, uh, if you like, um, disadvantaging the. Um, uh, uh, borrowers, if you like, uh -huh. uh, too much. So what you don't want is that sort of deflationary effect. You can stand a bit of deflation, but not a significant deflation. Mm -hmm. Now, this is intriguing because the only way they can really stabilize this is to attach the yuan to gold, because mm -hmm. historically that's the way you stabilize a currency. And I think that, um, you know, short of uh, China being able to balance the supply of credit so that the purchasing power of the yuan remains stable, they may indeed be forced to come up with something um, of some sort of gold standard or linked to gold in order to uh, stabilize their currency and ensure that it doesn't rise too much. And of course, this is a completely different situation from what we have in America, mm -hmm. the uh, American government. Um, denying that gold has any money, monetary role whatsoever. The mm -hmm. economists all being Keynesian and thinking it's all a pet rock and yesterday's story. I mean, if the Americans are going to catch up with this, 
they have got to do a massive U-turn, like a huge great tanker at sea, trying to, you know, turn around, uh, you know, a narrow corner. I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult, I think, for America and the members of the Western Alliance to come to terms with this. So uh, this is an interesting thing. Now, there's another um, uh, uh, development which uh, you should be aware of, and that is that the uh, Russia's National uh, Wealth Fund uh, mm -hmm. has changed um, its articles so that it can hold up to 60% of its assets in yuan and 40% of its assets in gold. Ah. Now, it seems to me that if I was President Putin, what I would be doing is I would be using that National Wealth Fund to produce a stable gold-backed currency for trade purposes available only to friendly nations. Mm -hmm. The unfriendlies, as he calls the Western Alliance, would be banned from holding it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's quite possible that there's something being cooked like that, which is mm -hmm. independent, if you like, of the central bank cadre. Mm -hmm. Interesting thought. Um, yeah. The, the, the thing that tipped my mind on this was that um, uh, it was Sir Isaac Newton, when he was master of the mint, who uh, uh, reckoned that uh, the correct backing for a currency should be 40 percent uh, bullion. Mm -hmm. So and that is that is the level which the Russians uh, seem to be setting uh, the National Wealth Fund. Um, if indeed their plan is at some stage to uh, have that issue um, currency. And I think they could probably use some of the features of a CBDC to do it. So we might see something sort of rather modern, but um, very stable rather than being used to direct consumption here, there or wherever. So mm -hmm. inter interesting times. I think Very sure. is going to be a big, big changing time. I really do. Well, it sure looks like it. Now, uh, of course, we've seen, uh, it's my understanding anyway, it's not made really public by the Chinese government, but I uh, you know you've kept track or tried to, to tried to keep track of the flows of gold going to China. Um, they are the largest producer, at least have been in recent years, of gold. Uh, they don't allow it to be exported, as I understand it, for the most part anyway. And, and Russia also uh, has been building its gold reserves. So there must be something to it. And we, of course, we saw Russia you know, when the war broke out, the unfriendly nations could buy, could get their oil and gas, but they'd have to pay for it either in ruble or in gold. So mm -hmm. it seems like they're on to it, kind of, aren't they? Yes, it does. And um, as a final sort of uh, thought, um, it seems that the Chinese have acquired yeah. nearly 300 tons of gold in the last month or six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so why are they doing that when they're the biggest producer in the world? Um, and they've retained all their gold. I reckon they've got over 30,000 tons as a state. I think that individuals, I mean, pri the, you know, the private sector owns another 20,000 tons. And that's just looking at uh, withdrawals from the Shanghai Gold Exchange vaults. Uh, so um, why are they buying another 250 to 300 tons? Question yeah. mark. Interesting. Yeah, what's, <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? I thought they were the communists. I, I have, I've always looked at Keynes as kind of a, um, a communist light philosophy. Uh, but these guys are buying gold like there's no tomorrow and building it, building up the reserves. It's um, something's up, I would I would say. I don't, um, don't see them as communists. I mean, basically, they're control freaks. That's the yeah, way yeah, yeah. I guess you can put any label you want. We have a, we have our share of those control freaks in the Western world, too, don't we? I fear so. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid so. Um, well, sir, this is really, uh, you're giving us a lot to think about, and I want to thank you so much for spending time with us again. It's always a pleasure having you. 
Um, your, your ideas are unique and that's why we love having you and they really seem to be quite valid from my point of view anyway. So thanks very much again and all the best to you and your and you and your friends, your um, your fans and your wife and your and your family. Wish you all the best for 2023. Thank you very much indeed, Jay, and uh, to all your listeners as well. The, you know, happy New Year, successful New Year. Happy, peaceful, <laughs> successful. Let's hope so. Anyway, and protect right. yourselves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Protection is going to be key. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week. Next week, Kevin Duffy of the coffee can portfolio will be with me as will Patrick Highsmith of Timberline Resources. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings and all the best for a happy 2023. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 